Well, here we go. Snare drum time means Gophers preview and review edition of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. Award-winning, if only in my own mind, edition number 140 already. I believe that's correct, but if I'm wrong, oh well, it is what it is. Daniel House in just moments. Don't forget you can find me, excuse me, on that Twitter machine, at Brendel Ross, B-R-E-N-D-E-L-R-O-S-S. And please make sure you're subscribing to Minnesota Sports Chat, wherever it is that you get your pods. Indeed, it is time for Mr. Daniel House from Gophers Guru, gophersguru.com. Daniel, we're what? Two-thirds of the way through the season? I had to do math there. Boy, the time flies in the college football season. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. It's November. I cannot believe that. We were talking today uh, with Joe Rossi, and he's like, we're in the home stretch of the season now. Yeah, incredible when you think about it. And for the Gophers, even though the West has... Have they, are they officially eliminated, or could that happen this weekend? I'd have to do math on that, and that's not my strong suit. My, I, they are not eliminated yet. Okay. Not, not mathematically, so... However... For all intents and purposes, it's over when it comes to winning the West. Congrats to Brett Bielema and the Illinois Fighting Illini for all but almost assuredly winning the West. Um, still big games for the Gophers. Nebraska's always a fun one. Iowa coming up. Wisconsin. And I do believe there will be a bowl game in there because the Gophers are just one victory away from being bowl eligible. Perhaps that will happen this upcoming Saturday. Gophers coming off of a win over Rutgers, Daniel House, and to nobody's surprise, got a lot of help from this. I can't call him a young man. I guess we'll call him at this point, middle 20-year-old man. Gophers today, four drives of five minutes or more. Ibrahim. Our guy, Corey Provis from the Big Ten Network on the call. Mo with 159 yards rushing and three TDs on 36 carries. Tanner Morgan, 14 for 21. I can do that math. That is 66% and 121 passing yards. House, uh, I again, heading into the game, I wasn't positive I would pick the Gophers to cover, and I had watched some Rutgers football this year. Rutgers, I don't, I don't want to jump on them. I didn't expect them to look that bad. But to the Gophers' credit, they obviously put Rutgers in situations to look bad. Gophers get out of there with a 31 to nothing victory. And hopefully this thing is maybe trending back in the right direction. I thought the rushing scheme was really good. And Minnesota had a little bit of an edge knowing maybe what type of pressures Joe Harris-Simiak would send that may exploit some things. And Minnesota provided some tweaks off of that and decided, all right, early on, tie the the pass game in, blend it with, you know, the crosser to Mike Brown-Stevens, speed cut to Daniel Jackson, doing some things formationally to get numbers advantages uh, into the boundary, uh, some backside throws. I, I wrote about that on Gophers Guru, just the formation adjustments that were made to set some things up moving Brevin span forward all over from 
you know, like sort of like an H back inline slot out wide that creates identification challenges for the defense, puts your best players in positions to be successful. I even thought, you know, some looks with Mike Brown Stevens in tight and then orbit motion toss to him, faking the jet sweep, producing some misdirection. Just the blend of rushing schemes, you know, outside zone, inside zone, uh, tight zone, split zone. A lot of those different things, you know, that you saw uh, from the Gophers rushing schemes uh, set some things up for them. You knew this game stylistically with both teams wanting to run the football like they did. This was a game where you knew Minnesota would try to pound the football, be very physical, and they just dented them all day with those three, four-yard runs and then eventually popped off the home runs. Uh, toward the end of the game. Those stats that I read on Tanner Morgan and Mo, interesting to try and interpret them, Daniel, because I don't know, is it, can the Gophers continue to win this way or is it even good for Mo's health if he's taking 30 plus carries a game? And then when you, on the flip side, you look at the Gophers and Tanner Morgan in the passing game, I just, you're not going to win a ton of games going 14 for 21 for only 122 yards. So are those numbers more indicative of just that game against Rutgers, or is that really what we're looking at as the season continues to wind down here? Because I'm not I'm not positive those numbers will change much. That's going to have to be the formula for winning games, I believe. But I'm also not positive that that formula can win you many of these final four games. Here's what I'll say. I mean, I, I just think each game is different. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people look at the whole sample and go, okay, the passing offense, you know, this week or the past few weeks hasn't been included as much. Well, then you go, you look at, okay, stylistically, what, what is going to win the football game? What are your strengths as a team? How can you attack the defense that you're playing against? And Minnesota certainly said, okay, now it's all about running the football in the quick game. They have some limitations, you know, just the personnel-wise at the receiver position with how teams are scheming them. So they're sort of leaning on the running game, leaning on the quick passing game. And I still think there are some opportunities in there. You know, Kirk Straka was asked today about vertical passing game, not really taking shots down the field to stretch things out, which I think is eventually going to have to happen in these games down the stretch. Shiraka said he had a couple of shot plays that they checked out of that they maybe were going to run that just the look didn't present it. So that's why I always say context matters. How is the defense playing you? What do you feel comfortable doing? What's in the game plan? And then what is needed to win that specific football game? So I like to look at it game to game. And I feel like Minnesota can build some game plans that allow them to win these next couple of games as you know daniel i am at most gopher football games pretty much every home game and then some years one or two road games so i don't get a chance to watch them a ton but oftentimes what i will do is i will go back i will watch the extended highlight package not go as deep as you but i'll pretty much watch every play for the most part but you know i'm just kind of watching to see what i missed Maybe not doing the breakdowns that you're doing. And actually, no, not maybe not. I am not doing the breakdowns <laughs> that you're doing. 
But one thing I noticed against Rutgers was I thought our guy John Jacob, Jingleheimer, Michael Schmitz looked really good. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know if that's just because of Rutgers and the matchups, but this is a guy that I believe is still potentially, when you look at people's boards and mock drafts, the first center off the board and a potential first-round pick. Yeah, John Michael Schmitz is playing at an extremely high level, has been all year throughout his entire career with the Gophers, the athleticism. I think he's one of the best that I've been around at just reach blocking his quickness and ability to gain leverage. Like he just is so flexible and and can do things that you don't see a lot from, from centers. I mean, he's just, he's the perfect zone scheme center. And I see an NFL team that runs a lot of the wide zone. They're going to fall in love with Schmitz because he's not only quick athletic has that ability to gain leverage, but, He's also a tone setter. He's physical. He's smart. He plays with good technique, and he doesn't get penalized a lot. He's one of the least penalized centers over the past few seasons in college football. So pretty much the whole package that you're looking for, I believe he'll he'll be a guy that is in the conversation of you know, being a first-round pick possibly. One final point on the Rutgers game, and it's just something I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, twice Tanner Morgan rolled out to his left, and the first one was – a bit of an errant pass, but I do believe that it has to be caught, and I believe it was Clay Geary who couldn't bring the pass in. You'll probably correct me if I'm wrong. And then late in the game, they ran a similar play, which should have been a walk-in touchdown for our guy Brevin Span Ford, and he just flat-out dropped the ball. Is there anything to those, are those... The second throw, I thought, was pretty good, but is there anything to... Is that just a more natural and easier play if he's rolling out to the right versus the left? Or is there a reason why they're doing those plays to the left because of schematics or just where the ball's positioned on the field? Ball positions, schematics of what the defensive look's giving you. Uh, I thought those play designs were great. I mean, especially because you're building off of that split zone look that you've been given where you got, you know, the slot receiver motion and across to the backside to seal the playoff. So, you know, Clay Geary's selling that on that specific play and then, you know, releasing out into the flat and just yeah, yeah, wasn't able to connect on that on that specific route. But you know, those designs are the things that you want to see. Being able to build your run game off, you know, build a run game and pass game together, which I thought Minnesota did a pretty good job of with subtle subtle tweaks. I know it felt like a boring game, and it that was stylistically just how the game rolled out. But when you break it down play by play and kind of look at the schemes and how things worked, I thought Minnesota did some nice things. And the coaching staff deserves some credit for how they built that thing. If you beat anybody 31 to nothing, I don't care if it's boring. If you get the win, that's fun to me. And I thought the game I thought the game had some moments in it. It was good to see the defense play well. Tyler Newbin played awesome. So that was fun to see. House mentioned the play design by the Gophers was great. I can also tell you that Beans Coffee Company is great. And they're now celebrating their one-year anniversary that's right, their one-year anniversary at their brand-new roasting facility in Mankato. It's where the name Mikado comes from for that wonderful coffee. And they're inviting you to celebrate with them. In honor of the occasion, they're releasing their brand-new Perfectus blend. Check this out. A cherry, robust light roast. I know I'll be ordering some of that. It'll permanently join their outstanding lineup. The blend is currently available right now for pre-sale until Sunday, November 20th. All pre-sale orders, they'll be roasted and delivered Thanksgiving week, just in time for that special family gathering. 
Look for it at coffeebybeans.com. That is coffeebybeans.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT, one word, when you place your order and save, and you can support Minnesota Sports Chat by using that promo code. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of three bags or more. That is coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT. They go first improved to 5-3 and three on the season, 2-3 and three in the Big Ten with their win over Rutgers. Rutgers is also, or excuse me, the Huskers, Nebraska is also 2-3 and three in Big Ten play and 3-5 and five overall. University of Minnesota head football coach P.J. Fleck had this to say at his weekly presser, courtesy of the Gopher Sports YouTube channel. They've had a ton of explosive plays in the last two games. A ton. Most of their explosive plays throughout, throughout their entire year have come within the last two weeks. Um, and defensively speaking, a lot of guys we played against in the past, I think 44 on their defensive line, so like we played against him forever, the Nelson kid. And, um, you know, they've got a really long athletic secondary. Every time we always play Nebraska, I always look across here, across the 50-yard line. I'm like, man, that, that's a good-looking football team, man. I mean, they're all above the rim. And uh, to credit to what they've done in recruiting and the type of athletes they have. There is a good chance both, I'm going to butcher this name, I believe, Chuba Purdy and Logan Smothers will play quarterback against the Gophers if regular Casey Thompson isn't ready per the Huskers offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Also a great name. Great name for a football coach. House, um, there, you just heard it right there. One, there, they have some explosive plays. Doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Their offense has really come leaps and bounds this season. It was pretty good at the beginning of the year. It's been better as of late. But what type of challenge is this for the Gophers not knowing who they're going to see or also knowing they could see upwards of at least two, maybe three guys? That. That can't be easy, but they do generally say, Daniel House, if you're playing two quarterbacks, that means you don't have one. Well, this is the fifth consecutive week this has happened because Purdue didn't know whether Aiden O'Connell would play. Illinois, uh, you had DeVito coming off an injury. Then you had Sean Clifford with the shoulder problem. Didn't know if Drew Aller would play or him. Then you got Rutgers. He said, well, you know, no certain quarterback between Vedral and Wimsat. Uh, decided to go with Wimsat, uh, and then you play this week's game, and you don't know if Casey Thompson will be available. So Joe Rossi and his staff have had have been planning for several different quarterbacks each week. So that that is that is something that's definitely got to be frustrating for them that they just can't come into a week knowing exactly who's going to play. But I would say you know this week it's a huge deal if Casey Thompson doesn't play because you go and you look at Purdy's stats. Turnover-worthy throw on 18.5% of his dropbacks versus Illinois. Accuracy and decision-making uh, are two things that you know definitely stood out while watching and going back, looking at some numbers from the past, too. Um, so I'm watching that, but also this wide receiver group is good, man. Especially Trey Palmer out of the slot, one of the highest-graded receivers in the country. Plays 70% of his snaps out of the slot, so I'm curious to see how Minnesota defends him. They go with Beanie Bishop, Ryan Stapp playing in the nickel spot. But look at Palmer's stats. I was, I was amazed by this. He's averaging 3.71 yards per route run, which is the best mark in the Big Ten, ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. Ohio State. Explain that stat. What does that mean to the commoner? What does that mean? So, 
So basically it, what it does is it looks at the total amount of routes you, you were running and also looks at the yards from those specific routes, divides them and tells you how many yards you're running, uh, how many yards you're accumulating per route run. And what was his number? 3.71, okay. which is a top mark in the Big Ten. So, Help me with this, Daniel. Okay, and I guess this is where if I had a negative raw sounder, I would play it to let everybody know that this could be some perceived negativity. We're recording this late in the day on Wednesday, November 2nd. This is going to drop on Thursday, November the 3rd. And, of course, it'll be active for everybody forever, but most time sensitive between when it drops up to kickoff at 11 a.m. on Saturday. House, the line keeps moving. At first, I saw the Gophers were favored by 14 giving 14 to Nebraska on the road. They're now giving 16 to Nebraska. What is Vegas that has that little confidence in what quarterback in the quarterback yeah. play in Nebraska. And again, I, I would love it if I'm going there. I would love it if the Gophers win comfortably. I'm not even convinced the Gophers are going to win. So I'm trying to process the 16 points in my mind. Yeah, it's just that big of a drop-off at, at the quarterback spot. I mean, Casey Thompson opens up a lot of possibilities with what they do offensively, and they're a 50-50 balance team all season long. You know, in the drop-back passing game, a lot of stuff they do with the formations to get players open and his ability to throw downfield. He's pretty athletic, can step up, move around, create some plays with his legs, and and put stress on all three levels of the defense. So with him unavailable and the, that accuracy that we talked about, those issues there, you got turnover-worthy opportunities where you get an interception, you set up a short field, and you got points right away. So I guess I'm not surprised that the line is that big of a disparity, especially when you're hearing that Casey Thompson's probably not available. This could be another big game or at least a big opportunity for Newbin and Wally, correct? You mentioned how good those receivers are. Mm -hmm. This seems like a game where they could potentially shine in a couple different ways. If there are opportunities, perhaps they can force some turnovers, make some interceptions, or perhaps maybe Casey Thompson does play. Well, then they're going to have to be at their best. Yeah, this is, this is a game where I expect Minnesota to play a lot of zone. You look at over the past two weeks, it's crazy. I'm writing about this right now. Nebraska ranks sixth in the explosiveness metric. So their past two games, they've been able to generate a ton of explosive plays. So Minnesota probably will continue to play a lot of zone, keep everything in front of them, need to have tight zone drops from all the corners and the underneath players to make throws, you know, difficult, not have, you know, all those opportunities where, you know, players can settle into those zone soft spots. And that starts with the pass rush. Nebraska's offensive line struggles. Turner Corcoran, the left tackle, well, the left tackle is a player that is leading the team in pressures allowed with 30. And the right guard is also a liability. So I would say, you know, being able to use some stunts, simulated pressures that you don't have to uh, sense blitz pressure and sacrifice coverage resources. You can send a second level defender as the fourth rusher and still maintain coverage in the back end. So I get exotic, mix things up a lot uh, with the front because uh, Nebraska's offensive line has shown some liability there. Now, you don't love making predictions, and I get it, but I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot because I'm driving six and a half hours to the game to watch it. Well, largely I'm going to see a buddy. It's just nice that the Gophers are in town. Who wins on Saturday? You like the Gophers' chances? Yeah, I do, especially with uh, uh, Purdy probably playing the game. I mean, that's just a huge factor. I mean, 
I do like Nebraska's team speed on offense, but I think this is a game where you're just going to dent them physically, uh, just continue to pound the football, a lot of misdirection possibly to mess with the eye discipline of that defense. I think that's something that's very vulnerable. And getting that defensive line moving sideline to sideline, lots of outside zone. I think Minnesota can capitalize upon that, controlling the line of scrimmage, and then also taking some uh, – intermediate shots, blending those in, and then and maybe trying to stretch it a little more vertical here in this game than, than they have been in the past by design, uh, you know, trying to get guys open with rubs and stuff where it's not as much you have to win with route running. It's more schemed open designs that we can see from Minnesota's offense. I do want to remind everybody that because it is Huskers week, it is not only just the competition on the field, There is a competition off the field between Huskers fans and Gophers fans, and it's for all the right reasons. Write this down or remember it. BrokenChairTrophy.com. BrokenChairTrophy.com. I want everybody to go there if you have a few extra dollars in your pocket and can part with it, especially if you're a Gophers fan. Make sure you donate a little bit of cash and throw it the way of M Health Fairview raising some money. I think they're, I believe this time around, they're trying to upgrade a transfusion center at M Health Fairview. A great cause. Gophers fans and Huskers fans have been doing this for, oh boy, Mm -hmm. half a decade now, maybe even more, raising money for a couple of great causes in Nebraska and in Minnesota. So please, brokenchairtrophy.com. That's brokenchairtrophy.com. I will step up and make my donation later this evening or tomorrow morning. And please, if you're listening and you can part with a few dollars, I encourage you to make a donation at BrokenChairTrophy.com. Of course, you'll get a tax receipt as well if that's something that helps persuade you just a little bit. Daniel, do you want to take a look around the Big Ten? We got a full slate again. Yeah, I'm ready. There's some good matchups this Yeah, week, I'm going to read the matchups and you just tell me a few that you're most excited by. I'll, I'll go in order from 11 a.m. on down. Ohio State is at Northwestern, Minnesota is at Nebraska, Iowa at Purdue, and Maryland at Wisconsin. Those are all your 11 a.m. first kicks. At a dentist's favorite time, 2.30, you have Penn State at Indiana and Michigan State at Illinois. In the evening game, Michigan at Rutgers. What stands out to Daniel House as the most intriguing matchups of the weekend in the Big Ten? Well, I can tell you right now, the least intriguing matchup is Rutgers-Michigan. <laughs> like, Big Ten Network, man, what are you doing? That's like, that's like a 55-3 game, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. That is the worst matchup for Rutgers. If you think Minnesota's pounding the rock uh, on that, get ready when they're pinning and pulling and just uh, physical domination at the line of scrimmage. That, that is a huge mismatch. But, you know, I didn't like the TV schedule at all this week. Like Michigan State, Illinois on at 2.30. Like the, the, all three of the best games in the Big Ten are on at 11 o'clock at the same time. Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue, Minnesota, Nebraska are the three best games. They're all on at the same time. Yeah, it's it's interesting the way the schedule shaked out this week. I noticed the exact same thing that you did. Any game that I would want to watch, I probably won't be able to watch it Big Ten-wise because it'll be running concurrently with the Gophers and Huskers. Hey, and aside from that, this is two straight years of pretty brutal football for Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. What, what's going on there? Yeah, I, I believe he needs to do some changing at the coordinator spots because that seems to be just schematically 
I think it's a, it's a blend of a variety of things. It's the schemes, and then it's also the personnel. And they're a good recruiting class shaping up for 2023 here. But, you know, I, I would evaluate where they're at schematically, sort of take that next step uh, evolution, get yourself modern in a lot of different ways to try to create an edge because you're at a program where you need every single edge that you can possibly get. So I would say that would be the first thing I'd do this offseason is is make some new coordinator hires. Two quick games I want to get your thought on. We have Tennessee and Georgia this weekend. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really I'm mm-hmm. I, I jokingly told my friends who I'm going uh to Nebraska with and my buddy who's down in Nebraska, I said, I don't know how to break it to you guys. I'm more excited for Tennessee and Georgia than I am for Nebraska and Minnesota. And then we also have Clemson and Notre Dame. I I would typically say I think Clemson's going to win easily. And I actually still do believe that because Clemson has gotten better week by week. But also Notre Dame has largely gotten better week by week for the most part. So your thoughts on those two games? Yeah, I'm very, very excited about Tennessee. Tennessee is the perfect example of a program that, you know, hired Heupel and said, all right, I want to make a change in how uh, the game is approached, especially offensively. You look at the tempo that they play with, the just running and gunning it, and then also being able to do some cool things with where the receivers align, like outlined outside the numbers, aligned in different spots, stacking receivers, creating all these natural sort of rubs and, and communication issues at the line of scrimmage to set things up vertically. And then you're tying in the screen game and the ability of the quarterback to get involved. And, you know, then when you're stretching teams out vertically, you're able to run into some better opportunities to create explosive plays there. So, like, how will Georgia's defense handle a very innovative, up-tempo, fast scheme that Tennessee has implemented? I, I can't wait for that. And as well, you know, you look at Clemson. And, you know, the quarterback uncertainty surrounding them. Uh, you know, I didn't think you know, against Syracuse, I didn't think they played very well. Brought in the backup, got a little bit of a spark. But for them to be ranked four, Michigan not in the top uh, four in the college football playoff, this is a game where I could see uh, it being very close. But Clemson probably wins. However, I want to know the next few weeks if Michigan continues. Does Michigan have to beat Ohio State to get into the playoff? I'm thinking so, but I don't know. I think Michigan is one of the most balanced teams when you look at offense and defense in the country. I think they should be in that conversation for the top four. What does TCU have to do? They got to win out, obviously, yeah. but they need a lot. Of, they would need a lot of help. And and I would say this. They should need a lot of help. If TCU wins out, I don't think No. if everybody in front of them keeps winning, they don't really have much of a claim to be in the top four. But if they get some help, yeah, just like Cincinnati last year, I think you'd have to put them in. Yeah, well, and I, I look at it like this as I go, okay, perfect example of why the playoff expansion will be outstanding. Because it allows you to have teams like USC and Oregon – TCU, all of these squads that I like a lot. And I I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fan of the whole margin for error, error is razor thin because you know what? Everybody is getting these edges now. You've got great coaches. You've got analytics. You've got refined game plans where you can 
build around your talent and create an environment that, you know, it, 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 it's going to tailor your game plan to make them even better. So why not reward teams who get better over the course of the season? Maybe you stub, stub your toe early in the season and, you know, you lose a game, you maybe lose one in the midway point. Can we maybe reward teams that get better over the course of the season and give them a chance? Because I love that about the NFL. Yeah, and I would say this, too, and we've talked about this before, I think, recently within the last few weeks. Right now, I don't think there's ever much of a chance that the Gopher football team makes it to the college football playoff when there's four teams. But you go back to 2019, that team could have made a case to be in the expanded college football playoff, which could be a game changer as far as not just elevating your program, but allowing them to potentially make that next step where one day they could be one of those teams in the tournament that maybe gets a bye. Who's to say? I, I, I don't know. That's just my general thoughts on that. Daniel, uh, I have one other quick topic for you, but it's away from college football. So before yeah. I do that, I want you to promote what's at gophersguru.com. You can check out all the latest breakdowns on Gophers Guru this week. Uh, put out a huge breakdown on the formation stuff that they did with Brevin Span Ford that I thought was very helpful. And then Nebraska previews coming soon and just a lot of different topics covered on the website, uh, include coordinator insight and, and different things like that. What does TJ Hawkinson do for you in a Minnesota Ooh. Vikings uniform? Dang, I love the move, man, because here's the thing. You go, all right, well, you scheming to take away Justin Jefferson. You're providing attention to him. If that is going to open up some opportunities in the deep middle of the field for TJ Hawkinson, being able to stretch vertically when teams are doing different things to, you know, bracket Justin Jefferson, you got to decide, do you want to get beat by Hawkinson or do you want to, you know, potentially dedicate some resources to him while also neglecting Justin Jefferson a little bit. So I love it from the standpoint of giving you another weapon to, to kind of dictate how the defense plays you. And then when you're playing all that, you know, too high to take away the big play, you know, you not only have the Hawkinson stretch ability in the middle of the field, but then you also are going to probably get some lighter boxes for Dalvin Cook to run into, which will help the running game as well. So it's the effect on Jefferson, the running game, and then being able to have a tight end that can do so many different things. You know, it just he fits the offensive system perfect that Kevin O'Connell's implementing. I felt like that sort of vertical stretch type of player. You mean they could have went for a receiver, maybe would have if, you know, Irv didn't get hurt. I don't know. I still feel like they were sniffing around tight ends long before then, weren't really happy with what they were getting with Irv. So I feel like Hawkinson provides exactly what the Vikings need to add another dimension to their offense. Yeah, and I'd add this. I would say his impact should be fairly, fairly quick. It should be known his impact just because – how could it not because of how, I don't want to say irrelevant, but how little the tight ends have been used for the Vikings? I mean, you've, we've seen some splashes from Johnny Mund, but that's about it. But I would say this, as long as he stays healthy, four to six weeks from now, it should make a huge impact once he is on a better page with Kirk Cousins and more comfortable in the offense. Yeah, and he hasn't played in a system like this that you know will use him in the screen game line them out wide, line them out in the in the slot. I know a lot of people say, you know, they're talking about run blocking is the initial reaction. Like, this guy played at Iowa, run blocker. But 
What makes Hawkinson special is the route running and the mismatch ability where he is so good at gaining separation at the top of routes and then being able to, you know, create that space that you need to put stress on defenses. And I look at the yak ability that he has shown even more of this season. You know, it's kind of skewed by a couple of big plays, but still advanced stats show yeah, yards after catch above expectation, number one in the NFL. So that's based on like the spacing of where the defense is located, his ability to create yards in, in tough situations. He's been able to do that. You, you see Kwesi looking at those advanced metrics all the way here on a move like this. Love it. Can't believe the Lions did it. Cool stuff. Well, if Daniel's excited, I am. I don't even want to call this upcoming Sunday for the Vikings a trap game because I think Washington's a tough place to play and they're and they're decent. But it would be really nice to get that victory and be seven and one heading to Buffalo to take on those uh Buffalo Bills and what could potentially be Daniel House. Yeah, I'll say it. I'm not afraid to raise the bar and the expectations. Vikings and Bills Super Bowl preview. Oh my God. Oh well, man. Somebody's winning a Super Bowl five to three. Hawkinson, there won't be a lot of film out on him yet just because he hasn't been immersed in the offense. Secret, secret scheme against the Buffalo Bills. Super Bowl preview. I'm fired up. I love this offensive scheme. I feel like the defense is becoming more comfortable with, you know, this type of zone scheme, matching things, communicating. I'm excited about where the Vikes are at, man. At Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. Again, at Daniel House NFL. Also, gophersguru.com. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Always fun. We'll do it again with Daniel about this time next week, previewing the Gophers and Northwestern. What does Daniel tell me? Listen to that sweet little feline roar. Restore the roar. Oh, yeah. Restore, Restore the, the roar, roar baby. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be much restoring the roar for Northwestern this year, but we will see. That's Daniel House. Again, at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine, I'm at Brendel Ross. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. Please subscribe and rate and review kindly. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you kindly.